Going Postal Publishing, the Going Postal Cast, and Christopher Chapman present Incarceration, the serialized weekly podcast performed by the author, Christopher Chapman. For more information, visit www.goingpostalpublishing.com or email him at goingpostalpublishing at gmail.com. This podcast is not suitable for children. It has violence, gore, and lots and lots of naughty words. If you can't handle that, go somewhere else. And now, on with the story, or whatever other crap I decide to come up with. Chapter 27 Jason fell asleep at about five that morning, just as the sun was coming up. As the sun moved higher into the sky, Jason's eyes began to close. He slept until it was time for breakfast at eight. He walked to breakfast with Rick, refusing to say anything about what happened. Rick didn't seem to know anything about what happened. He kept quiet as they walked together. After breakfast, which consisted of some of the runniest eggs Jason had ever eaten, he decided he was going to go out into the yard. He didn't plan on being out there all that long, so he'd still be back to sleep shortly. One of the things that a lot of prisoners did while in the yard was walk. A path had been worn in the grass, circling the yard like a track circles a high school football field. He walked alone, never taking his eyes off the spot in the grass where he'd seen the killer the night before. He wanted to go over there, but was afraid of what he might find. Finally, after two more laps, he worked up the courage and walked over there. He moved to the spot where he thought he'd seen the killer and looked down. He examined the grass, not really knowing what he was looking for. Should there have been footprints here? Should there have been impressions in the grass? He didn't see either. All he saw was grass. His imagination really had gotten the better of him last night. Now he was suddenly glad that he hadn't gone off the deep end about it, possibly waking Rick to show him something that hadn't been there at all. He was about to return to his cell when he had the strange feeling that somebody was watching him. That wasn't uncommon in prison to feel as if he were being watched. When you were in the yard with 50 or 60 other people at the same time, somebody was likely to be looking your way, especially if you were doing something strange. He imagined that studying the grass would rank up there with something strange. He looked up, scanning the yard. He saw a lot of guys walking. He saw that some guys had gone into the small pavilion that housed some weightlifting gear. Then he saw an older man, possibly in his early 50s, looking at him intently. The man was staring, as if he were a fighter pilot that had just locked onto his target. The man wasn't blinking as he stared. The man had silver hair and the start of wrinkles on his forehead and cheeks. He wore glasses, but Jason imagined that they wouldn't last very long. Glasses were usually destroyed quickly here. Other inmates had a way of being attracted to glasses, smashing them whenever they had the chance. This guy had to be new. Jason knew that a busload of prisoners had come in a few days earlier. Rick had told him. Since the current warden, Scott Yamry, took office eight years ago, he'd allowed prisoners to go out into the yard to watch as the buses came in. It was a way for the prisoners to see the new additions and a way to scare the new guys as they got their first real look at prison life as they came in. Jason was glad that he hadn't had to deal with that when he came here. He was already scared enough when he arrived. The old man was still staring. Jason thought about approaching him and saying something to him, but he was unprepared. He hadn't intended on coming out into the yard this morning, so he wasn't wearing his magazine protection. 
He thought he could get by without it today, but it was never wise to do it too often, especially when you already had a bullseye painted on your back the way he did. If he didn't remember next time, he took a risk of getting himself into big trouble. Instead of confronting the man, Jason did the only other thing he could think of. He nodded. It wasn't much, something that guys do when they acknowledge one another. But he did it. He didn't get anything in return. The man kept staring at him. Knowing when it was time to make an exit, Jason went inside to forget about the old man. He went right back to his cell and was fast asleep. Noon was when they served dinner. In prison, they don't share the same eating schedule as the rest of the world. Instead of the conventional breakfast, lunch, and dinner schedule, they have breakfast, dinner, and chow. A proper name given to it by inmates now long forgotten. It was their language and that's how they ate their meals. He sat alone at dinner, munching down something that was supposed to resemble pizza. He'd eaten cafeteria pizza when he was in elementary school, and even that seemed like a delicacy when compared to this stuff. The crust was close to liquefied, as was the cheese and sauce. The topping included small red squares that might have been pepperoni, or if you were feeling extra naughty that day, small hamburger balls that may or may not have been sausage. He ate two helpings. He couldn't help it. Despite how rancid the food was, he ate because there was nothing else to eat. It wasn't like he could walk out of here, find his way to the nearest McDonald's, and eat Big Macs until his heart and stomach was content. This is what they served, and this was what he had to eat if he wanted food. It was a little like what his mother used to do to him when he was a little kid. She'd say, If you don't like what I made for you, you can go without. Despite the change of scenery, Jason once again felt as if he were being watched. His eyes quickly scanned the room, looking specifically for the old man. It was hard to pick out one person in a room filled with hundreds of prisoners and 20 COs. He turned around, and there he was. The old man was behind him, two tables away. He was eating the same crappy food that Jason was, but he stared at him. Food hanging from his mouth, dribbling to the table little by little. Sauce streaked his chin. Jason stood and walked out. He didn't want anything to do with the old man. He seemed like one of the guys that might be crazy enough to do something to him. He'd lasted all these years in a prison that was known internally as a place where prisoners came to disappear by knowing when to walk away. He'd gotten lucky once. He didn't like his chances if something were to happen again. He walked back to his cell, following the corridor quickly as he looked back over his shoulder constantly. Was he being followed? No, he was alone. He lied back down in his cell. It was time to get some more sleep. The old man and his staring were already forgotten. He fell asleep once more. He didn't know that the old man was already watching him. Chapter 28 Depression was something that Jason had dealt with for many years. He had every reason to be depressed. He was in prison because somebody killed his parents. He was in prison because some stupid-ass police officer couldn't figure out that he hadn't done it. For years, he'd considered himself to be a failure, the lowest line of scum on the earth. It didn't help that he'd started to believe that he really was guilty of the crimes he'd been convicted of. His mind became so accustomed to everybody else labeling him a murderer that he'd started to believe it himself. The tattoo was a reminder of who really had done it. That didn't remove the guilt of the fight that preceded their deaths. 
nor did it take away from the fact that he was in a prison that liked to make you disappear. He tried many things over the years to fix the problem. He tried having a positive outlook on things, something that was virtually impossible under the circumstances. He tried thinking of what it would be like if he ever got out. That was like thinking about a brick wall. You couldn't see past the wall, meaning that there was a large obstacle that needed to be overcome before those thoughts seemed remotely plausible. Suicide had always been an option that he'd strongly considered. Why not? With all of his pain, and the realization that he was likely never going to get out of prison alive, there seemed to be no other alternatives. Suicide seemed like the only way to make the pain go away. It was the only way out of prison, even if it were in a body bag. In the end, the only reason he hadn't was because then the killer would have finally won. The killer would have killed him, just as he had originally set out to do. Sure, it wouldn't have been like killing him with a gun, knife, or those big teeth. But it would have been like killing him just the same. In the end, he stuck it out. What other choice was there? It was either die, or don't die. He chose to live, but held on to the possibility of ending it all if the circumstances were right. The only thing he was certain of was that he didn't want to die at somebody else's hand. What nearly happened to him out in the yard was beyond his control and something he wanted to avoid. If he was going to die, he wanted it to be on his own terms, even if it meant by his own hands. The idea seemed selfish, but it was the only thing he had left that was his. He propped himself up in the bed. He looked around the small cell, wondering how much longer he could put up with this miserable excuse for an existence. He'd done this for nearly 16 years already, and was gearing up for 50 more. He was never going to get out of prison. That was a fact. He felt as if he wasn't even worth the skin he was in. He was a nobody. They sent him to this prison because it was the only one in which prisoners disappeared without a trace. That's exactly what had happened. There's somebody asking about you, Rick said from the bunk underneath. How long had he been there? Jason hadn't heard him come in. The guy's been asking about you for two days. Who? Some old guy, Rick said. He moved out from his bed and stood so that his face was level with Jason. I've been asking around and nobody seems to know who this guy is. The only thing I know about him is that he came in with the new group about a week ago. Keeps to himself mostly, but has some weird fixation on you. Must be part of your fan club from up north. The old man again. It wasn't enough that he was staring at him, now he was asking people about him. Was he some kind of fan, as Rick had suggested, or somebody who idolized killers? He'd heard rumblings over the years of a copycat killer. He'd often wondered if it was a copycat, or the same guy that had murdered his mother and father. Maybe this guy was one of the supposed copycats. It only reaffirmed his idea about staying as far away from this old man as possible. He saw that Rick was looking at him with a puzzled expression on his face. How long had he been focused on his own thoughts? Rick probably thought he was going crazy. That guy's been staring at me all day, Jason told him. I saw him this morning while I was out on yard. He was staring at me while I was walking. After a little while, I decided to go back inside. Didn't want to get stabbed again, eh? No, not really, Jason said, chuckling. I don't know if I thought that this guy might be dangerous at that point, but then I saw him again at dinner. He was staring at me again. The guy creeps me out. 
You want me to have some guys take care of him? Rick asked, sounding too serious for Jason's liking. He knew that Rick could get some guys to do what he was asking. Jason liked to steer as far away from that as he could. You just say the word and that old guy will be sent out of here on a stretcher. I promise that it won't come back to you. No, no, Jason said, knowing that he couldn't allow Rick to go through with that. Over the years, he'd picked up pieces of information on what Rick had done to wind up in this prison. Like Jason, he was a prisoner that Wisconsin wanted to forget. From what Jason was able to gather, Rick had murdered his wife and her lover. More details were sketchy, but he had heard from a few guys that his wife had been cheating on him for several months. He found out about his wife's indiscretions and quickly filed for divorce. In protest, she went after him for everything she could, even custody of their 11-month-old daughter. She pranced around town with the guy, wearing clothes that made her breasts practically pop out of her shirt, and skirts that showed most of her unmentionables. The straw that broke the camel's back was when she lost custody of their daughter. She neglected their daughter, causing social services to swoop in and take custody. They never gave Rick the opportunity to assume custody. To make matters worse, instead of fighting to get her child back, the wife and boyfriend decided that life was easier without the child, refusing to put up a fight. When Rick found out, he confronted them. A fight ensued, and he fought back. He broke the boyfriend's neck using his bare hands. He killed his wife a short time later, striking her repeatedly with an aluminum baseball bat. Some guys claimed that he beat her until her brains were scattered across the room. Jason knew what Rick was capable of. He wouldn't, couldn't, ask him to do anything to the old man. It wasn't so much that it could lead back to Jason. He was more worried of whether or not it would point back to Rick. He didn't deserve that. Despite his violent past, they'd gotten along great since the first day. He wouldn't trade that for anything. Rick Carlson was the only real friend he had left. Don't do anything to him, Jason said, attempting to end the conversation. At least not yet. Maybe this is just something that will go away on its own. Rick's hand raised and landed on the edge of Jason's bed. He looked at Jason, a smile spreading from the corner of his mouth. You're wrong, Rick said. This is prison. Shit like this doesn't go away on its own. He paused. I'll give it another day. Two at the most. If the problem doesn't resolve itself, I'll take care of it myself. Jason considered this for a moment and knew it to be fair. There was no point in denying that this could become a problem if he allowed it. Rick meant well. Maybe a day or two would give him an idea of how to handle it. Thanks, Jason said, laying his head back down. If you don't mind, I think I'm going to skip chow tonight. Think I'll get some extra sleep. Another long night of staring out the window? Don't know, Jason said, although he knew that he would likely stay away from the window after what he saw last night. He didn't want to take a chance that he saw something else that wasn't really there. I guess I just want to forget about the old man. Fair enough, Rick said, disappearing from view. Things became very quiet in the cell. As it usually happened when he was alone with his thoughts, Jason fell asleep once more. It was the last good sleep he'd get. Chapter 29 No, 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 Jason cried, trying to make it all go away. What was going on? He thought that he was over this. One time was strange, but seeing it two nights in a row was downright crazy. Can't be, can't be. 
As Jason had done the night before, he awoke shortly before dark. The dream had been there once again, but that wasn't what was bothering him at the moment. New. This was far worse. He hadn't wanted to go to the window. He repeatedly told himself that he wouldn't go to that window. After what he'd seen, there was no way in hell that he was going to do that to himself. Yet, an hour after it had become completely dark, shortly after Rick had gone to sleep, he found himself at the window, staring out into the darkness. He wasn't sure of just what he was looking for. Had he expected to catch another glimpse of somebody in the light? No, that was crazy. He knew that he'd imagined that. But why was he back staring out the window? He didn't know the answer. He tried to tell himself it was to make himself feel better, to prove that there was nobody out there, but whom was he kidding? He went to the window, fully intending to see the killer out there. He dreamt about this guy for years, had even gone as far as tattooing a picture of him on his arm, and yet he still denied his existence. He tried believing that it really was he who'd killed his parents, but that was all bullshit. This guy, monster, or whatever he was, was real. Whether he'd actually seen him or not had yet to be determined. There was no possible way he could have gotten into the prison, not with all the fences, barbed wire, electricity, and guards. What reason could the killer have for breaking into prison? Was he trying to finish what he'd started all those years ago? It seemed highly unlikely. It was highly illogical for somebody to break into a prison. That increased the chances of being discovered by more than a thousand percent. Nobody was that stupid. Besides, why would the killer have come after him? Jason wasn't exactly a threat anymore. He was confined to a prison cell and had absolutely no chance of parole. He wasn't going anywhere. He recalled his constant worry about the monster coming to get him. It was the main reason for his fear of the dark. Now that the threat seemed real, he was more afraid than ever. Despite his fear, he sat at the window for two hours, watching every beam of light to see if he could catch another glimpse of the man that killed his parents. His eyes scanned the scene constantly, always seeing nothing. He felt his eyes growing heavy. He shook his head, trying to stay awake. Still, his eyes drooped. He was falling asleep. He slapped himself with his right hand, then his left. The fresh sting on his cheeks helped a little, but he still felt extremely drowsy. During the slapping, he had taken his eyes off the lights outside. He didn't care about them anymore. He decided that he was going to do something else. He didn't want to fall asleep while it was dark. He was about to move away from the window when something caught his eye. He looked, wondering what it was that he'd seen. His eyes scanned the areas with light, but saw nothing. No, that wasn't completely true. There was something out there. It was just out of reach of the light. He squinted, trying to make out the shape he saw. He saw something just outside the radius of light to his left. It was moving with the light, but never coming into it. It was dark and shaped like a man. There really was somebody out there. He strained his eyes, trying to make sure that he didn't lose him. The beam of light switched paths. It swung back in the opposite direction, giving Jason a brief glimpse of the figure before it disappeared back into the darkness. He caught only a glimpse, yet he was certain that he knew who the figure was. No, 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 Jason cried. Can't be, can't be. His head was shaking back and forth, refusing to stop. 
He didn't want to accept what he'd seen. It was impossible. There was no way he could have seen what he thought he saw. It was just a brief glimpse. He could have been wrong, but what if he wasn't? The room swayed. He tried compensating, but something was wrong. He couldn't get his legs to do what he was telling them to do. He fell to the floor, smashing his head against the concrete. As Jason fell unconscious, his last thought was that the figure outside had been his father. You've been listening to the Going Postal Cast. For updates about Christopher Chapman, his stories, and future podcast happenings, be sure to go to goingpostalpublishing.com. If you want to follow along on Twitter, twitter.com slash goingpostalpub, or like him at facebook.com slash goingpostalpublishing. This podcast is copyright 2012, Going Postal Publishing.